Hey, Paul. Yes, sir. Let's pod. Star Trek, our favorite frontier. These are the podcasts of Aaron and Polly. Their ongoing mission to explore all things Trek, to seek out cool things and pick them apart, to boldly complain as no one's complained before. And this is Paul. And welcome back to Star Trek with Aaron and Polly. And Paul. Yes, sir. Friday night, I uh, was going to get home late from work. And uh, I recommended to the wife that she order dinner so that uh, we are not trying to, you know, get to a restaurant at peak dining hours on uh, Friday night. Uh, or that we are having to cook when I when I when I'm getting you know home later than normal. Don't you love this phase of our lives? I do love this phase of our lives. And I I, I, will, uh, I don't know about going out on a Friday night. I, you know I will go out on a Friday night, but I do not want to hit a restaurant at seven thirty. I mean that is just yeah. the worst time. I mean you are going to wait for an hour <laughs> you to get a seat. <laughs> I am just not there for that, and so. Uh, you know, I get home, and she, uh, because she loves me, she ordered uh, Mexican food. Okay. And uh, so I, I was there for that, and uh, the food arrives, and of course they have forgotten one of her things, right? <laughs> you know? She's like, I'm just going to get the cheese quesadilla and this uh, creamy jalapeno dip that she really likes. And okay. I'm just going to go to town on the quesadillas and the creamy jalapeno dip. So, uh of course, they forget the creamy jalapeno dip. Mm. And so, you know, Uber Eats is good about this. They refund the money, yada, yada. Not a big deal, except that, you know, it wasn't the experience she was hoping for. And I, and I said, I'll yeah. tell you what. On Saturday, I will make my quesadillas, which are off the charts good. So I'll make my chicken fajita quesadillas. Uh, I'll go over to the restaurant and pick up your creamy jalapeno dip. And, you know, we can have a, another go at the experience. And she's like, great, that sounds terrific. So I do that. I mean, I go to, I, 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 number one, I, you know, get my, my, my chicken marinating early in the day. I go to Marquez Bakery to pick up fresh tortillas. And I pick up their salsa and their fresh guacamole. And then I drive over to the Mexican restaurant to get a 16-ounce container of this creamy jalapeno dip. And so I go to the little takeout, you know, uh, thing at the restaurant. And I said, hey, I need a 16 ounce of the creamy jalapeno. She said, great, it'll be five minutes. And so I pay for it. And she, she's like, okay, you can wait over there. And I said, you'll, you'll call my name when uh, it's ready? And she said, yes, five minutes. All right. So I go and I stand across the lobby area. And I am in direct eyeline, not just with the little to-go counter, but with her. And she and I are making eye contact every few minutes. Well, 10 minutes goes by and they haven't called my name. 
And I walk over there and I said, hey, I just wanted to check on the status of my to-go order. It was the creamy jalapeno. And she turns around and there's a bag there. And she goes, oh, is it for Aaron? And I said, yeah. And she goes, here it is. And I said, um, you told me you were going to call my name when it was ready. And she's like, uh-huh. And she's just smiling at me. And I'm like, you don't want to apologize for not doing what you said you were going to do? And she's just, uh-huh. <laughs> I, I, Paul, this is oh, how five-state killing sprees start. <laughs> I, just, I don't understand it. it. I mean, I was in her door, and it wasn't like I was out of sight, out of mind. She and I were, were making eye contact on the regular. I don't get yeah. it. I do not get it. <laughs> and, I mean, and nothing, nothing even approaching an apology. Not no. n- nothing. Uh, oh, I'm so sorry. I, you know, you, it just slipped my mind. I had my mind. Yeah, I mean, I would have just, just. I'm sorry. I screwed you. You know, I'm sorry that I turned your five minute wait into a ten minute wait. I, just nothing. Nothing. I, I just. <laughs> yeah. So, I burned the place down. I. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Long story short, that place doesn't exist anymore. Were you feeling the, the, the heat of a thousand flames in your hatred? I, I, you know, I just, it blows my mind. <laughs> I, having, I, I have worked in, uh, you know, customer-facing retail before. I've worked in a restaurant before. And I just never would have treated the customer that way. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. I, I, I could easily have forgotten something. But if I found out that I was in the wrong, I certainly would have apologized. I wouldn't have just smiled at the customer. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, it was that smile like it was very much like talking to you, Paul, <laughs> in, in that you're fine. I, I was, I was, I was, you're fine. <laughs> and I am not fine, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Aaron. Perhaps it was the way you addressed it with her. That was the issue. Perhaps. 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 You don't want to apologize? (laughs) (laughs) I just... (sighs) Yeah. Anyway. But hey, let me talk about something that that has delighted me this week. Okay. Ooh, a delight. Delighted me. I have had my eye on the Heat 2 novel from uh, Michael Mann and I believe Amy, uh, Meg Gardner. And, Meg Gardner, yes. Uh, it is a sequel to the movie Heat with Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, Val Kilmer. And, you know, I, uh, when I first saw it, I saw the the cover art and I, I, I kind of you know twitched an eyebrow going, Heat 2, you know. And it is straight to novel sequel and I've always just kind of thought, that, that, that can't be good, right? I mean, that's just kind of what my, what my thought was. And I broke down and bought it in audiobook form uh, this last week. You know, intrigued that Michael Mann was involved with it. You know, the Michael Mann, the mm-hmm. director of uh, the Heat film. And Paul, this book is fantastic. I, it I, is. You know, I will tell you, it's, so it's, a, it's a meaty book. It took me quite a while to finish this book. Uh-huh. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, well, it's way longer than I expected hard. it to. Yeah, yeah. Um, but... You know, it's because it's a lot. You know, it's very much like the Godfather two mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. the Heat saga, in that you know we you jump back and forth in time. You know, there are multiple full, I mean, almost full novel worth stories. It's almost like each. there are three novels in this book. Yeah, yeah, essentially. Yeah, and you know, and the, it is, but it is fantastic. Yeah, I, I was, I was dubious because Heat is such a perfect film, mm-hmm. and I'm like, how in the hell can you? you know, have a, an adequate sequel. 
right? And you know, there this book is part prequel, part sequel. Um, it jumps across. I mean, like the only character really left at the end of Heat is Val Kilmer's character, Chris Shaherlis. Of the bad guys. Yeah, well, of the of bad the, guys. You know, right. the, the yeah. criminals, I should say. Right. right, of Robert De Niro's gang. That's the only guy left. And, you know, while I love Chris in the film, he's not really a character. In, in the film, he's not really a character you'd build a novel around, in my opinion. Um, and then you got, you know, Vincent Hanna, which is Pacino's character, the detective. And I'm, I'm just like, I, I don't know how you do this and keep it, you know, in the same space, telling, you know, the story about these characters. But, of course, they do this wonderful prequel part, which has De Niro, uh, De Niro's character, Neil, kind of developing the character that he is that we see in the film, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he, he develops that, that, uh, uh, that, that, that edict or you know that that sort of of uh strategy that you don't do anything that you can't walk away from you know 30 seconds you're out the door and you know so we see a neil who is very uh uh involved with a woman and her daughter i mean he is practically he is practically her husband and father uh to the child and it is a great story and you know you can kind of you know you're knowing what we know about the movie Heat and what happens to the characters there when when you get to know these characters you're like oh i see bad things yes yeah, exactly bad things. but then you get further development on Chris and this is what i would i mean i felt like my favorite story was going to be the Neil story and don't get me wrong i love the Neil story but my favorite story was the Chris story really um, okay god i loved that story i love him growing up um, mm-hmm. You know, and that's what uh, you know. Charlene in the uh, in the movie, his wife, uh, played by Ashley Judd. Mm-hmm. You know, she she you know is like you know it's time to grow up. You know, she's telling him the whole time the whole time in the movie. Well, he does after he's already had to sacrifice his family. And mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to spoil anything about this book because half the fun of this book is seeing where it goes. But I cannot begin to tell you how tremendously satisfied I was with this book from beginning to end. Yeah, absolutely. It is very much, you know, it, it, I wouldn't say it's a superior sequel because, you know, part of the, the joy of Heat is the the actors. Yeah. Right. And and the cast that that, you know, has every every face is recognizable. Yeah. Um, but I look forward to seeing because apparently they are making a movie. Of oh, this. are they? I didn't mm-hmm. know that. I think that, you know, I think the the, the novel was kind of a proof of concept yeah proof of concept <laughs> hey let's see if people care about this yeah still um so they are making the movie and well, it's it, interesting they're doing the wise thing and recasting yeah, rather yeah, than going the cg to. route yeah yeah i think i think recasting is the way to go uh, i uh i'm glad they're making a film because i think this movie there are things in the book that that work so well i'm like i get bored in chase scenes but there is chasings were damn good, damn good in the book, and I'm like, you know, because things, it's not just hey, we're chasing a car around the corner. Things are happening, right? You know, things are happening inside the cars as the chases are going on, and I'm like, this is so good. And mm-hmm. you know, I I think one of the things that makes this book so effective is that you know, assuming you have seen Heat. It communicates the visual language, so you understand what this should look like in your head, and it's really easy to visualize because you know how Michael Mann would have shot it, right? Yeah. Um, I, I this book 
worked so well for me. In fact, it made me go back and watch Heat last night. You know, because I, I, I finished I finished Heat two uh, yesterday afternoon, and you know, immediately you know, queued up Heat. And there's a there's a wonderful line, and I didn't catch it when I was reading Heat two. But in the movie Heat, he, uh, Robert De Niro's character is talking to Amy Brennerman's character, and he is talking about, you know, uh, swimming in the ocean and, you know, the iridescent uh, algae, mm-hmm. which is a fact he learns in the Heat 2 in the prequel yeah. portion from the little girl that he's kind of become a father figure to. And I'm like, that is so beautifully placed. It is mm-hmm. so beautifully placed, and I didn't pick it up because it had been a while since I'd seen Heat. And it's just a throwaway line, but it is a beautiful connection between the two books. Absolutely, or between the two pieces, the, yeah, the, the yeah. two two stories. But yeah, I, if you who doesn't like the original Heat? Exactly. And don't wait for the movie. There yeah. will be one, you know. But the book, and honestly, the audio recording, yeah, um, the audio book of it, yeah, is is the the you know I will say you know when it first started. Um, you know, they've got this very, the, and so the book is read by, I'm trying to look up the, uh, the, the, the guy's narrator. name, the, the narrator's name, um, Peter Giles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's got a very pulp. Yeah. Gruff, he's got a very gravelly sort of voice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so when it starts, it's like, he too, the audio book. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, that's fine for the title. And right. then he starts reading the book that way. I'm like, oh no, I don't know how to deal with this. But it works and it yeah. works. And he, um, unlike a lot of audiobooks, he emotes. Yeah. And he assumes the voice of the characters from the movies. He, 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 he does a great. Al Pacino impersonation, but well, you know, and I don't. I would call it a uh, Al Pacino characterization because it never felt over the top as an impersonation. It didn't, but I, but I was like, oh, but yeah, you can absolutely. Right. I mean, I, I kept expecting the great ass comment from him. You know, I kept, <laughs> kept expecting him to, you know, to, to top himself, and you know, he just he kind of rides up to it, but he never does. And I, I thought it worked really well because my first time I was like, I don't know about this, <laughs> but I mean, have faith because his performance is fantastic yeah and he does a good De Niro too yeah he does think, you know he, he does and I, I I found that I had to he, he there are references to characters and he too assumes other than a brief retelling of the bank robbery right. and ending of heat it kind of assumes you know who some of these characters are yeah like Drucker and Casals um are referred to quite frequently and I'm like are those West Studi and Michael T. Williamson? Right. And I had to look it up. I'm like, they were. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was amused, you know, in the movie Heat, uh, you know, you hear Neil's name and you hear Chris Shaherlis' name a lot. And, of course, Wayne Bro, right? And Trejo. But, and, and, <laughs> but you don't hear Trejo that no, often. You don't hear Trejo's name. That's right. In the movie. And uh, what I find amusing is, is that, you know, immediately in the book, you're able to track the names. I remember the first time I saw Heat, I'm like, I don't know who anybody is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I know who Chris Shaherlis is. I know who Neil is. Who are the rest of these guys? Yeah. You know, yeah, I found that I found that confusing the first time I saw it. It doesn't bother me now because I've seen Heat like 90 times. But uh, I, this, I, I, I cannot begin to tell you how satisfying I found this book. And I feel like there's room for a Heat 3. 
Yeah, it and very Michael, much leaves it with room for three, yeah. Heat 3. And I gotta say, Michael Mann can't be a young man, so he needs to do that really soon. Yeah. And I, and I assume, I assume when I see, you know, a great big name like Michael Mann involved, and then a name that I'm less familiar with, Meg Gardner, as his co-writer, I assume she's doing the heavy lifting, and he is sort of the overall story guy. That's the impression um, I got. Yeah, but it was fantastic. And I got to tell you, you know, it's made me, you know, bookmark Meg Gardner as an author. And I'm going to check out some of her other books because uh, I thought this was so well put together. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, I loved every bit of this book. Well, and if you're wondering what that has to do with Star Trek, it doesn't. <laughs> we just finished the audiobook yesterday, and we're very excited to talk what, about it. What I find amusing is, is that this has been on my radar for a while have never spoken to you about it. And it was this week that we both found out that the, each other was reading the book. And yeah. I, I'm just like, wow, we didn't coordinate that. It's just... Yeah, book's been out for a year, give or take. Yeah. And uh, it was apparently was a nationwide bestseller. Yeah, and all of a sudden, uh -huh. we we just happened to read to finish reading it on the same week. That's right, that's right. So, so crazy time. Highly recommend Heat 2. Uh, yeah. Be sure to tune in to our new podcast, Heat with Aaron and Polly. <laughs> I feel like those are that'll only be two episodes. Um, no, we're gonna do uh, character deep dives, so we'll have a uh, Wayne Bro episode. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're we, we could probably just do Al Pacino. So I I haven't finished my, I haven't finished my Heat rewatch yet. I'm I'm about thirty forty minutes before I'm done. Mm -hmm. Trejo survives the movie, right? Doesn't he back away and he's like, man, I, I got I got heat all over me. I can't come. Um. Yes. Yes. And and so I feel like there's maybe a a while he doesn't appear in Heat Two, except you know, as as being referred to. I feel in like flashback. Yeah. I feel like we we could have a you know uh, in the next book Trejo could show up. Um. So I I just I, I really like the book and it, every time every time because I I hate it in Heat. Uh, and I, uh, I, I I hate it in this book that we don't get to spend near enough time with Michael, the Tom Sizemore character. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I just, you know, I, I hate when his character dies at the end of Heat. Uh, you know, I just <laughs> hate that, hate that. So. <laughs> well, Heat 2, highly recommend, and definitely recommend the audiobook version. Yeah, str strongly recommended. Yeah. So, Paul, uh, just this week, the uh, schedule for San Diego Comic-Con came out, detailing what we can expect on, from Star Trek panels at Comic-Con. Yeah, I mean, Star Trek, I mean, excuse me, San Diego Comic-Con starts, as of this recording, like less than two weeks away. Yeah. Um, San Diego Comic-Con. And, you know, many, like Marvel, DC, Star Wars, I think all of them have pulled out from having a major Comic-Con um, panel presence. Yeah. Does that Which, have anything to do with the writer strike, or is it just know, inflation? Honestly. What the hell? Why aren't people going to Comic-Con this year? I, I will tell you, I wish I knew. I, yeah. I don't know if it's because they're planning their own events. I mean, for Disney, I yeah, get they, it. They've got their own thing. Yeah, um, they've got their own thing. But DC, like, what the hell else do you have? You don't have fandom anymore. Right. Um, so yeah, it's 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 interesting that you know the Comic Con Hall H schedule, which used to be flooded with, you know, great movie news from Marvel and Lucasfilm and stuff like that, really doesn't this year. I mean, they've still got some some panels, um, you know, around the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Paramount Pictures and CBS will certainly have a large presence, right? They'll have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They'll have Ghosts. I'm looking at the panel schedule now. Um, you know, Prime will have things like The Wheel of Time. But, you know, the 
I don't know why anyone would camp out for a sneak peek of Twisted Metal or Kevin Smith's <laughs> Masters of the Universe. God, um, why would you can't camp out for anything Kevin Smith? <laughs> yeah, um, you know, or, or you know, the Archer panel. It's definitely a lighter schedule, yeah. um, or you know, the 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 key panels that were there before, um, movie wise, mm-hmm. are no longer there. It's crazy. Um, however, Star Trek, you know, like I said, Paramount and Star Trek will still have. Um, a presence at yep. San Diego Comic-Con, which I find interesting that they're holding on to it. But, hey, maybe, for what it's worth, maybe they'll get some dedicated attention because there's there's so few other, um, you know, interesting panels, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they're having a Star Trek Universe panel um, on Saturday in Hall H. Uh, it says, uh, featuring content, exclusive content from Star Trek Discovery, which we know Season 5 is coming. Um, yes. Star Trek Lower Decks Season 4 should be starting later this year, and I don't think a trailer has come out yet for that. Correct. It has not. And I expect that, you know, we got a trailer for Discovery Season 5, what, last fall. Mm-hmm. Um, I expect this will be the final trailer, right? It'll be the big trailer so. for, yeah. for Disco. Um, but, you know, I know a lot of us are, have got our fingers crossed that, uh, you know, we'll get a, an announcement, right, about Legacy. I don't know what the writers strike, how that impacts, like, those kinds of reveals. Like, would they hold up finalizing such a deal until after the writers strike? Yeah, I don't know. And will the, will, would the writers even show up right for an announcement of a project that they can't technically start writing it right i mean that, that just kind of makes me think i mean you could you could still bring terry metallis in right assuming that he's show running it um mm-hmm. but i i just i don't know I, it seems like it kind of derails an opportunity for announcement there yeah and there may be some you know i mean obviously starfleet academy and section 31 have previously been announced there may right. be some more news on those um but i think no real footage so it'll be interesting to see what they show yeah um you know what they announce because they could probably announce some shit that may yeah. or may not ever happen. Right, well, um, as they have done in the past. I'm still waiting on that, uh, you know, uh, Nicholas Meyer, uh, Wrath of Khan follow-up oh, uh, right. podcast. Because we're going to do a podcast, Paul. I mean, I still am blown away that they send him out on stage. Go out there and tout your Wrath of Khan podcast yeah yeah it just seems a really dicky thing to to have done to nicholas meyer um you know i've been thinking about star trek legacy it 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 takes up a lot of space in my mind paul um and i was thinking about what kind of stories they might tell and yesterday as i was driving back from uh you know having been you know upset at the at the mexican restaurant um (laughs) A story idea came to me that I'm like, I, 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 I need this. I need this. And a story idea that also results in an ongoing character on the show. I would love to see. Do you remember that episode of Star Trek Voyager uh, where Neelix and Tuvok merge into one person through a transporter accident, creating yes. Tuvix? And the, the Tuvix. controversy at the end of the show is that... You know they can they can bring Neelix and Tuvok back as you know their separate unique selves, but it involves essentially murdering Tuvix. And you know Captain Janeway makes that decision. It was controversial for her and the crew. It's been controversial among fandoms. And you can you know you still see Tuvix arguments online. I want to see 
alternate universe Tuvix emerge into the you know, Star Trek legacy space and, you know, become a member of the crew and have them have to deal with that on the regular. You know, you're, you're you know, we, in our reality, we murdered you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a Starfleet captain who is now an admiral murdered you. Murdered. I would love to see that. I think that would be a great story engine, right? I, 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 I've decided that that's what needs to happen. So Terry Metalis, call me. I'll join your writer's room. And I'm not in the there. union, so I, I will I will scab for you. <laughs> Aaron's a scab on, on the record. <laughs> I would hope there's some type of, of legacy announcement. I, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling less confident mm-hmm. than... Uh, I don't think there's going to be one. I I thought for sure that there would be. Uh, I feel the energy is there. I think that, you know, Paramount's crazy not to, you know, do a Star Trek legacy show. I just don't feel like we're going to get an announcement at San Diego Comic-Con. I think there's too much going on, uh, you know, in a, in a meta sense about, you know, writer strike, SAG walking out, you know, the whole schmear. Unless that's resolved I prior to Comic-Con, I don't see them making an announcement just yet. Yeah. That's my I, I would, That's my guess. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. And I don't think it stops... Star Trek Legacy from happening. I just don't think we're going to hear about it just yet. I am convinced. Terry Metalis continues to live in that Star Trek space. I mean, I, I follow him on social media. He talks about Star Trek at least once a week. Um, I, I'm confident that a Legacy announcement's coming. It's just a matter of when. Fingers crossed. Yeah, it's going to happen, Paul. It's going to happen. Because otherwise, how do we get Tuvix? <laughs> I, I don't even know. Maybe, maybe Tuvix can. Maybe they can have an upcoming comic series featuring the adventures of Tuvix. Like you know, followed up, following up in the uh, the Dog of War. Maybe, yeah. Maybe it, it. Maybe Tuvix is there in the vault on the broker's ship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah, I yeah. like it. Segue into it. Same creative team because <laughs> this creative team. I mean, you know, we, we've talked about this book on the podcast, and now we're on issue four of five. Sadly, only one issue to go. But I th- I do feel like it's the right length mm-hmm. for this story. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, you know, it's it, the dog of war is just an interesting dichotomy because it is such, such a serious storyline as it relates to Cisco and the Borg technology, right? Um, and the headpiece and the damage that it could be doing to him and his obsession with it. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, <laughs> you've got the the corgi, yeah, and who you know who pops up on the monitor. He's like, we need to get our dog back. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, you know the dog in the in the Starfleet vest. It's 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 just like an interesting mix of super serious and absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, ab- ridiculous is the word I would use. And uh, but yet I'm here for like, it. Corgi here sets off the alarm uh-huh. in a room. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh my god, this is this is hilarious. Yeah. There's there's hair there's corgi hair everywhere across the ship. It just cracks me up because I've had that dog before. That's just you know there was no limit to the amount of hair that could be you know left all over your home. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know corgis are certainly that kind of that kind of fur bearing animal that that do that. And that just cracked me up. This is somebody the the people writing this book are you know people who have owned that dog. <laughs> Yeah, and Kira and Dax, I mean, they're going to the mat yeah. for, for Latinum. Like, yeah. they are in a gunfight. Latinum's on the other side of fire, so he's afraid of the fire, and they need to figure out how to get him out. I mean, we end on, on quite a cliffhanger here. Yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, Cisco has, has, has the Borg um, 
technology, you know, he's using that Borg technology to, to you know, undo some of the damage that's been done, some of the stolen Starfleet information and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, and it's to, you know, Bashir's with him, and he's like, man, you are going to die if you keep <laughs> using that headset. I, you know, I like that, you know, part of the reason why they've got to go retrieve this, not just because they want to go get their dog, but that the brokers used the Borg technology housed at Deep Space Nine to scrape the DS9 computers and steal all of the Starfleet intelligence. And, you know, so they've got to get that before they do something, you know, crazy like sell it to the Dominion, which the Dominion is on the way because the brokers have already contacted the Dominion letting them know what they have. And so that's the additional pressure on this at the end of the book is that, you know, not only are is you know Cisco having to exit the Borg system because it's you know turning his brain to jelly. Not only are Dax, Kira, and Latinum you know in a in a uh, fire situation, but you also had the Dominion hot on their heels. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I really like how the the book is paced. I really only had one complaint about this book, Paul. And you have a complaint? Okay. I do. I, I felt like we wasted a lot of time in the first couple of pages of the book restating the mission. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, we there is really nothing new here, you know, in these first three pages that we didn't already have from the prior book. So it it felt like the book was, you know, okay, in case we have new readers on book four of a five-issue series, let's go ahead and remind them what's going on. Um, and I, I, I think that if you're reading this collected, that might be a little frustrating. Um, but, you know, it, other than, it's a minor quibble. I just felt like, golly, you know, seems like we could have spent more time, you know, doing other stuff in the story than... More time with Latinum. Exactly, exactly. More, more quirky drawings. That's right, that's right. But I sure do like this series. I do too. I do too. You know, I think um, I'm I'm looking forward to to seeing how it wraps up. And and I like I said, I like this creative team. I hope they bring this creative team into uh, some of the other Star yeah. Trek titles. Yeah, yeah. The Tipsons don't have to be the only ones writing Star Trek books. Agreed. Yeah. because I'm struggling, honestly. You know, yeah. we'll talk about this uh, in probably a future episode. But I'm struggling a little bit with Defiant and uh, the other book. Yeah. Just the adjectiveless Star Trek. Yeah. But Dog of War is great. Highly recommend it. Is. it. We, uh, we 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 have uh, you know strongly recommended it every time we've talked about it. And I know Paul, I know that we are here to talk about something else, but frankly, I've forgotten it. Oh, I, look I at you with this. What, what are we? Well, we'll what, talk to you next week, guys. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so, Star Trek: Strange New Worlds, uh, season two, episode four, three, three. Oh, four. Is it no, four? Wait. What is it? No. What is this? Uh, episode four. Uh, yeah, episode four. Thank you. Episode Sorry. four. Uh, I forget something about lotus eaters. Uh, among the lotus among, eaters. Yeah, not. I keep wanting to say in the land of the lotus eaters, but it's among <laughs> the lotus eaters. Yes. So, so uh, you know, we finally get some Anson Mount in uh, in this episode. We do. And, and I am thankful that uh, we get to see his uh, girlfriend, the captain, uh, in this episode quite a bit. Uh, you know, we, we get to see her at the top of the show and at the bottom of the show, <laughs> top and bottom. Um, <laughs> but, I, you know, I really like 
I remember in the first season, I liked her a lot and was afraid that we weren't going to pick her up again in the second season. Uh, but we are, and we're getting to spend some quality time with her. We don't get her just during the uh, the courtroom drama with Una, but we also, you know, in this episode, we get her and Pike having a fight and breaking up. And mm-hmm. uh, I got to tell you, I, I enjoyed all of that. I, I yeah. thought I thought the uh, the character drama between the two of them was really well done. Yeah, I mean they have good chemistry, um, you know, together. And I, you know, the seeing a little bit more of Pike's personal relationship, I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also enjoyed uh, uh, Ortega's you know, yeah. getting getting excited about going on the landing party and just, I mean, fully going into character, you know, dressing up as uh, as someone from Kalar, and you know, putting on the hat. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, she is she is as pumped as she can be to go on the landing party, and then they tear the tear the tear the rug right out from under her. Yeah. And uh, you know, you got to go back up to the bridge and steer the ship. Uh, I I I was deeply amused by that. So, and you know, that she had a great um, episode. Mm-hmm. I think Ortega. Yeah, you know, there was a a decent amount of focus on her. Yeah, because I think they they've definitely been trying to find opportunities to feature some of the supporting cast. Um, you know, this was probably your your Anson Mount, your Pike, and your Ortegas episode. Although there were other characters, you know, Laon, Mbenga, um, you know, Spock, but they they were really more supplemental to mm-hmm. to those two as being the the leads of the episode. Yeah, because they're really the ones who figure it out, right? They're the ones who kind of save the day. So, you know, we, we have a mission that Captain Pike receives to return to Rigel 7. If you'll recall, Rigel 7 is the planet that the crew had just returned from in the original series first pilot, The Cage. And it is the mission that really caused Captain Pike in the original series to, you know, question his mission and question whether or not he even ought to be in Starfleet anymore. Maybe he ought to retire. Because he had lost three members of his crew in a mission that went bad really fast. And, you know, it's not until the end of that episode of the original series that, you know, Pike sort of rediscovers his mission. And so in this episode, Starfleet says, hey, looks like you left some tech behind uh, from space. We're able to see them using the Starfleet emblem. And uh, you need to go back to Rigel 7 and clean up your own mess. And so that's the mission. Now, they spend a little bit more time on Rigel 7 and a little bit more time in orbit of Rigel 7 than they did on the initial mission. And so they experience something they did not experience on the last visit because they're there longer, and that is memory loss. Uh, the unique radiation uh, there on the planet, it causes people to lose their memories. In fact, there is a whole segment of the population that loses their memories every night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's you know kind of where we get the title Lotus Eaters from uh, the Odyssey. You know, similar sort of uh, of experience that you know Odysseus and his crew uh, experienced uh, when they landed in the, in the land of the Lotus Eaters. But uh, uh, I, I thought it was a really nice update to the Rigel 7 sets. It, it sort of honored the the uh, design that mm-hmm. we had seen previously from the original series. I do have one criticism, though, of how Rigel 7 was depicted. 
you know, Captain Pike fights a Rigelian in, or a, some someone from the planet, from the 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 Kalar or Kalari, I forget what they're what they're calling the people. But the guy is gigantic, like twice the size of Captain Pike in as we see in the cage. And everybody we fight in this episode all is Pike-sized. Uh, I, and I, I just really, I, I hated that we didn't get to see, you know, one, one of those guys just be abnormally big uh, that they you know, come into conflict with. Because that was, you know, pretty intense in the original series, seeing Pike fight that just gigantic guy. Yeah. So I, that, was the, that was one of the things that, that I, I sort of uh, missed in the, uh, in the episode. But other than that, I, you know, I thought it was a really strong episode, particularly when we find out that one of the three people uh, that was killed or that Pike thought was killed uh, in, in that, mission, that initial mission to Rigel 7 is still alive. Uh, his yeoman, mm-hmm. Zag, uh, actually survived and became king. <laughs> You know, I I I, uh, I always admire people who uh, fall ass backwards into success. Right, yeah. <laughs> fail upwards, <laughs> as we call it. But yeah, you know, that's where the Starfleet tech comes from, and the the uh, you know uh, Starfleet emblem that they see represented from space. I, uh, I I I I rather enjoyed the episode. How about you, Paul? You know, I liked it for the most part. Mm. Um, I had a bit of an issue with the ending. Um, uh, with how they're curing the uh, radiation? No, no. Um, honestly, my, my issue was no with the representation of Pike. Mm. Uh, you know, so it, they, they have forgotten their, you know, so Pike, La'an, Mabenga go down to the planet. Um, and my favorite, actually, my favorite line of the episode is that Pike is bringing La'an and Mabenga because of their combat experience right and you know the doctor goes just what every doctor wants to hear that you're bringing me along for my combat experience <laughs> um I, I like that you know it's kind of it, it's it's i'm noticing a theme a thread with mm-hmm. that character this season and i'm wondering if we're building up to a head because it's mm-hmm. now come up multiple times right um this season so i'm wondering if, if they're leading up to something now, in, in addition to that, um, where, where I actually had the issue was at the end, you know, they have forgotten their memories. They know that if they store that something in the, the the people who live in the castle get to keep their memories. So they storm the castle. You know, Pike is the only one who 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 gets to the you know who gets inside, and he just brutally wallops that guy, mm-hmm. um, Zach. Yeah, just beats the ever loving tar out of him, and is about to murder him. And is about to murder him, and you know, then he, he gets his memory back, and the guy's like, "I told you, this planet changes you." And Pike's like, "No, no, it doesn't change you. You know, it just, you know, it reveals who you truly are inside." And I'm like, "So does that mean Pike is a an asshole?" I think that's. I, 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 like, I mean, the fact that yeah, I mean, what, I, I think I think it says that that Pike is a brute at heart. You know, I and I, I was wondering if that's what they were implying. You know, because yeah. for me, I'm like, you know, when when push comes to shove, and when when you remove Pike's memories. He turned into a brute, and he yeah. didn't turn into a good person no. at heart. Yeah, no, he was while he was protective of his people, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he he would do anything for Laon. He would do anything for Mabenga. And clearly, a born leader, right? Yeah, he can, he can rally the troops. Yeah. But also, just a, a vicious animal at heart, which we've have never seen in him before. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I I wonder if this doesn't. Uh, 
foreshadow a struggle that we're going to see in other episodes because I do feel like that's what it was saying. Um, I perhaps, like I, mean, it, you know, I, 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 I had an issue with it, but perhaps it was I had an issue with it because I'm like, is that bad writing? Or you know, or, or yeah. they you know they they took him out of character, or perhaps they were trying to say, no, this is something we're going to toy with. I, I felt like they were revealing character. I felt like, okay. I, I, and that was surprising because what he when he says no, it just it just distills you to who who you are. I'm like interesting. I did not realize yeah. that there was someone so vicious at the core of Captain Pike because it's not his, something we've seen before, right? You know? Right, like and said. and had his memory not returned, it sure did look like he was about to you know put a shot through Zach's head. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I just, it, it, he was either going to beat him to death with his rifle or he was going to put a shot through his head, one or the other, uh, maybe both. Yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like that's what they're telling us. I feel like we're going to see more of this. Could be wrong. It could be bad writing, but I, I, I have faith that uh, this was intentional. Yeah, again, kind of like the Mabenga thing. Like, I feel like we're, they're definitely playing on some themes that, that we'll see fleshed out. And how, how do we know how long this season is? How many episodes there are in Stranger Things World season two? I think it's ten. Ten. Okay. Yeah. Damn. So we're almost halfway there. Yeah. Yeah. It it goes by fast, Paul. And it does. I, it does. And you know, in, in a show like this that is episodic in nature uh-huh. and not serialized, um, you know, the, the, it'll it'll breeze by super fast because they're not there's not an obvious thread right that we're building to. Yeah. I I sure I sure did enjoy this episode. Um, I you know, just minor quibbles. Um, I I am eager to see what we see, and you know we we know that we've got you know in episode seven is going to be the uh, lower decks crossover. So I, I can't wait. I, I, Which I, is the is, is the weekend after San Diego Comic Con. So I'm wondering if that will play into sure. uh, what they reveal or show at San Diego Comic Con. Maybe, maybe, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm here for it, Paul. I'm here for it. We are here for you, That's, and 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 as such, we have now many many different ways in which you can reach out to us. Oh, many many ways. In fact, you could send us an email at Star Trek at iomgeek.com, and if we use your comments on the show, you could win a coveted valuable ideology of madness surprise. You can also reach us out reach out to us on social media. Um, I O M Geek on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Threads. And Threads. Aaron, you know, it occurs to me as we wrap up this podcast that we forgot to start with our slogan. Oh, you mean, let's pod. Yeah, we didn't do it. Yeah, we did. I, it's, it, but we take care of it in editing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. So disregard <laughs> all this. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Bye. Star Trek with Aaron and Polly is a production of IOMGeek.com. Have a question or comment? Hailing frequencies are open at Star Trek at IOMGeek.com. Tribble wrangling provided by Triskelion Trays. No troublesome tribbles. Mr. Aponte's wardrobe provided courtesy of Garrick's Clothiers. Conveniently located on the promenade. The wife reminded me that she is going to a uh, conference Wednesday through Sunday, I think. Uh-huh. And uh, she'll, she'll be coming home at night, but I'm like, I've got to take a day off just so that you know, I've got the house to myself. Because <laughs> that never happens. Exactly. Enjoy yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Wandering around the house naked. <laughs> e- eating corn chips and masturbating. It's going to be great. <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> Talk to you later, man. All right.